Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Luke chapter 20. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, We don't know where it was from. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and then went away for a long time. At harvest time he sent a servant to the tenants, so they would give him some of the fruit off the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also. They beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, Show me a denarius, whose image and inscription are on it. Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he'd said there in public, and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us. That if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. 
Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second, and then the third, married her, and in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, Well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus said to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around and flow in robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and at the places of honor and banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. The parable of the tenants is where Jesus brings to a cataclysmic crescendo his confrontation with the temple leaders. Jesus insults their integrity, intelligence and insight. Can you imagine the looks on their faces as he announces to all that the temple leaders are going to be killed by God, crushed by the one they reject, punished most severely? Why couldn't he just leave them alone? Well, as Christians today, we've grown up seeing the cross mainly as the atoning work of Jesus to provide us forgiveness for our sins. Amen and amen. The cross definitely does that. But what Jesus emphasises in this parable is that the cross is part of God's plan to actually get some fruit out of his people. God wants his people to provide him with a harvest of worship and righteousness and blessing to the nations. And they just aren't doing that. So Jesus comes not just to forgive sins, but to highlight the utter bankruptcy of the current leaders of creation. The coming of the Son of Man both seeks and saves sinners and shows the stubborn selfishness of stewards who desperately need to be sacked. We have to have both in our vision of Jesus if we're going to know the real him. Chapter 19 shows us the utter generosity and kindness of Jesus to those who have done wrong. But if we just have a chapter 19 Jesus, we can never explain why anyone would want to kill him. Chapter 20 shows Jesus determined to bring an end to hypocrites ruling over creation. In chapter 20, we see Jesus as the one who knows that a shake-up and a clearing out is required if a brighter future is going to be born. 
Jesus' parable points to his death being a final day for an old way of being human and a first day of a new humanity where goodness and order could be re-established all over the earth. This new humanity would be centred around Jesus, would be filled with his spirit and would deliver up far greater fruitfulness to our God. And so, as we read these passion parables, Jesus causes us to ask, has his atoning work not only taken away our shame, but also made us live better? Beyond receiving forgiveness of sins from Jesus, are we actually now bearing delicious fruit to God? Here's a question for reflection. Do you more often imagine Jesus eating with sinners or causing others to hate him so much that they want to kill him? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.